Welcome to First World Problems, the podcast, episode two. In this one, we will be reviewing new music from Smoker Fire, Kylesa, and the new Under Oath. And we will be reviewing some movies, a due date, and 127 hours. And we have a special guest, Riley Breckenridge from the band Bryce. All right, first, some housekeeping. As you've noticed, or maybe not have noticed, we have a two-month absence since our last podcast. Two months. It was September. Wow. So we recorded two episodes that were unfortunately uh, terrible audio quality. Uh, Some of you might have had the privilege to download it. All 25 of you. Thank you. There was a five-hour window. That's true. So people could have downloaded uh, it and heard absolutely nothing. And heard an hour of silence. They would hear this. It's peaceful. It's like one of those uh, meditation tapes that you could buy. That's true. It's going to be released as a 7-inch on Southern Lord. (laughs) That makes sense. So our desire is to get these out quicker so we will have more regular episodes coming up because we have fixed our podcast rookie mistakes that we made. We think. We hope. No problem. If you're hearing hearing this, we have done our job. Congratulations. Um, but we also have some other fun things that you should do. Uh, you can email us at fwppodcast at gmail.com, uh, preferably nudes or suggestions for future shows, whatever the case may or be. Or suggestions for future nudes. Yeah, you know. e- either or. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter, fwppodcast. Follow us there, and we will nuggets of wisdom will come out daily. I can promise you that. <laughs> and... The most exciting thing is we have a hotline for all you people to prank call us, and the number is 657-859-1761, so you can leave obscene messages, drunk dials, whatever the case may be. Where is 657? This is Google. That's Google. Google has their own area code? It's in space. Yes. That's fancy. Yeah, it goes to space and then comes back. So... That is where you can find us. What's that number again, Ray? It is 657-859-1761. That is a great collection of numbers. All right. We'd like to do a little section we like to call Quick Hits. Quick Hits! <laughs> that basically is just a very quick recommendation about something that we enjoy in life recently. I would love to have Scott... Take it away first. I'm going to recommend Dropbox for file transferring. You can can say a little about it. You don't need to be too scared. Dropbox is software you can install on any computer you have, and it takes away the hassle of syncing files, and it's great for collaborating with teams. Free, up to two gigs. It's true. Yeah. And there's an iPhone app. There's an iPhone app. There's an Android app. There's an iPad app. Yep. Riley, are you a Dropbox user? I am. That's how we share files. Tremendous product, right? In the band. Yes. Oh, that's good. I use it also, uh, Scott. Yeah. Not so bad after all. (laughs) We didn't didn't expect it to be bad. Anyways, Joey, what about you? Quick Uh, hit. Angry Birds Halloween edition. No. (laughs) Don't be mean. Don't use Although I did, I did get three stars on Angry Birds Halloween also. We're, we're proud of you. Thank you. Uh, I would recommend Scott Pilgrim versus the World out on Blu-ray now. It is amazing. Please see it. I'll bet you that's your favorite movie of the year. Maybe. Okay. But seriously, everyone should see that movie. And yeah, so go buy it or rent it cool. or download it. Duly noted. Duly I have noted. not seen it. Um, I am going to recommend Haven Gastropub in uh, the Orange Circle, which is a great place to eat food and drink beer or wine or water if you don't drink beer or wine. I do Um, enjoy water. Thank you. It's very delicious water. They have great, great pipes there. Um, (laughs) No, they have really good burgers, um, good pork sandwich, uh, good fish, uh, good steaks. The food is awesome, and the drinks are, are awesome, too, and it's a pretty cool uh, atmosphere when there's not a bunch of idiotic Chapman University kids getting <laughs> hammered, which, kind of funny, last time I was there, some guy barfed, more barf than I've ever seen in my life <laughs> combined, 
came out of one person. Combined of all, all the throw-up. All the throw-up I've seen in my life, this guy created more in one. That's historic. One spewing of wow. stomach. He's Did you take a picture? No, but I stepped over it on my way to the bathroom and was impressed. Is it a college bar? No. No? It's like a pretty nice restaurant, which was why it was kind of weird that this college kid was just Belligerent blowing there. chunks everywhere. Yeah. All over his friend's back. That's well, that's good, and that's obviously where fans can find you for autographs twenty four seven. Absolutely, yes. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Please bother me while I'm eating, while I'm putting food into my mouth. Hey Riley, hey Riley, I love your band. Can you please sign this for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of the perks of being a drummer. Is that doesn't happen. Do you just need that's to be? Good. You need to have drumsticks like in your pocket at all times, <laughs> just to give kids that hint. Yeah, yeah. I think he looks familiar. <laughs> I'm going to recommend the television show Walking Dead. What a surprise. Immediately. Two episodes have aired on AMC. It's on Sunday nights. Uh, I cannot believe it's on television. I can't believe how much blood and guts are in it. And it's just a great television show about zombie apocalypse. I back Ray on this. The yeah. show is awesome. I'm a sucker for that stuff anyway. So it just, it's, but it is the highest rated AMC show debut. In Fuck history. you, Mad Men. Beat Mad Men. Beat Breaking Bad. Beat the debut. Yeah. Well, every season debut for... Really? Yeah. Wow. So pull your head out of your ass and watch it. This week, we will be talking about three different records. And the first one we will talk about is the new Kylesa, which is their fourth full length, their first for Seasons of Mist, the other previous three came out on prosthetic records. Uh, and this one is called... Totally blanking on the name. Someone help me. Spiral something. Spiral shadow. Yeah. Shadow spiral. Static spiral shadow. That's fine. <laughs> spiral shadow. Spiral okay. spider. There we go. Shadow static. So now that we butchered that, spiral yes. shadow is definitely the name of the record. And um, yeah, band from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Great place. Yes, it's a nice city. Wonderful. Yes. And. <laughs> I would be interested to hear all of your opinions on this record because that's what we do in this podcast. Joey, I'm going to start off with you. This record was so fucking boring. It was, yeah, this record was a snooze. I don't even know. I kind of liked the earlier stuff, like the first couple seven inches and the first full length were pretty good. This record was just, this was a, this was a, this was tough to get through. Uh, the music was okay. I could kind of get into the music. That it was, I don't know. Everything kind of started to sound the same. The vocals were, uh, they were terrible. But you just not like females? No, I do. I actually normally do like female singers. That's true. But it was just that shout scream that I just don't like. They're they're fence riders. You want them to commit to either screaming and or yeah, singing. Yeah, let's go for it. Because there <laughs> actually, were parts where she had like there was like cleaner vocals. That I thought worked better, but then it would go back to the shout, the shouting, and just I don't know, not for me. One question I wanted to ask all of you before this is: Good thing you're asking us now, then. Well, but it's okay because okay. it'll still mean something. Did you know the band has two drummers? I did. I. We did. saw them. Did they have? Did they have two drummers when we saw them? Yes. That makes it way cooler. I did. Okay. I, I did not find that out though. Until after I had already heard them. And I heard them, and it sounded like there were two drummers or that they had, like, double-tracked the drums or something. I was like, what the hell is this? Right. Like, what are they doing? Right. But then... But you, you could instantly that... tell that it was different? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess if you're into this kind of thing, you'd probably like it, but not for me. What's this kind of thing? I don't know. That Mastodon, Baroness. I, but I think they're, like, the bottom of the barrel of that. That group of bands, if I'm going to lump them in with them. Couldn't have said it better. Got it. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and skip Scott because he already gave us his opinion. <laughs> Riley, what did you think of uh, of this record and uh, of this band, I guess, in general? Um, I liked the last record. I can't remember what the title was. Um, I didn't, like, love it, but it was it was Solid. okay. And I'm into, like, Baroness and Mastodon and um, that whole kind of, like, sludgy, stonery metal stuff um this record i listened to once and 
I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. Sure. Yet. Just kind of um, once over. Yeah. And I think, like with what Joey said, if I would want to listen to something like that, I'd probably just go listen to Baroness. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely the trappings of this band where it's like because they have such similar sounds from the same area, have been at it for roughly as long as Mastodon has, you know, it's they're always going to get compared to that live in the shadow because they're not going to be as successful <laughs> as yeah. they are. And so, yeah. Yeah, by no means am I saying that I don't like it. I'm just saying that I... I you would you would pick those other records. I'd, I'd probably pick another record before I would go listen to this one. Sure, sure. Scott, did you uh, enjoy uh, it at all? No, nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, I I, I probably am the most positive about this. This is definitely the best Kylesa record, um, in my opinion. I definitely can't disagree with any of what you guys said because th- clearly there are bands that are doing what they do better. But the thing that I think this band started to do on this record, especially is actually incorporate like sort of grunge slash atmospheric elements that they never had in the past. Because they used to just kind of be that cut and copy, you know, heavy, like we were saying, Baroness type stuff. Uh, But this, like there's a song on the record, uh, it's called Don't Look Back, that they're actually doing like clean vocals and she's singing and it... That lost me. Yeah, to me that, that pulled me in. I thought that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was one of that was a very interesting way that I think this band can sort of separate themselves from what they constantly get compared to, and they actually did it well. Like it didn't sound like, oh my god, this is an absolute train wreck, in my opinion. Um, so, but I mean, I I can't give it a glowing review, but I can give it a better review than you know maybe what Scott and Joey said when they fell asleep and almost crashed their cars. So that said, I if you were did to crash my car. You did. Another incident. If you were to rate it out of 10, what would you give it? Uh, I would probably give it a 6. I will give it a 5. I will give it a 5. 6. How do you give it a 6? I know. I don't what? understand. I feel like a jerk. I, I automatically translate into like academic grades. Don't, I, you, <laughs> can, we, you cannot do that. But I do. But I, I know. I'm telling you don't do that. Here's the thing. <laughs> It I, may not be for me, but I could see why people would like it, which is why I gave it a five. Because I think, you know, people out there would like it. I personally, if it was, you know, you can't give it a six, Scott. <laughs> you hated it. <laughs> I, I based my rating on, on Ray's rating. Yeah. Because he gave it a six, and he obviously liked it better than I did. So I was like, well, yeah, let's probably give it a five then. I, mean, I think that's a, a six. Fair, I'm you an set, independent you set the bar. I did. We just kind of. We just followed along, and Scott thought he'd give it as good of a review as you, even though he hated it. Either either a one or a six. (laughs) You choose. Somewhere in between there. That's great. People should go out and buy this record immediately based on our (laughs) our such solid opinions. All right. uh, Next record we touched on is a band called Smoker Fire uh, from the Richmond, Virginia area. Uh, They used to be called Jericho RVCA. RVA. Whatever. I'm in Richmond, Virginia area. Whatever. Um... (laughs) The, uh, this is their third full length, uh, third for Fat Records. Um, they, I mean, their previous band put out some EQs and everything like that. Right? They had a full length thing. Okay. But they were still the same band. Yeah, it's the same. Band. Right, exactly. Which I never got what they did. The TV show, uh, Jericho. That makes sense. Fun, fun or, fact. Or the Jer- wrestler. Jericho RVA, uh, almost signed a revelation and then Fat called. But they were going to oh. when they were still Jericho. I think I, I vaguely remember that. Um, anyways, this band, uh, the reason that we kind of chose this record is, uh, I mean, I personally am a really big fan of this band. I think that what they do goes unnoticed. Like, no one knows who this band is. No. No one. I think if they were to play shows anywhere, no one knows who they are, uh, unless they play with no effects and then people watch them while they get drunk and, for no and effects. Boo, cheering no, or yeah. shouting no effects. Right. Um, so I just wanted to highlight this band, uh, and kind of, you know, see what, uh, what everyone's thoughts were on the record in general. Um, I know Riley uh, already mentioned that he unfortunately didn't get a chance to check it out, no, but I didn't, but I'm going to use all of your opinions to, uh, yeah. determine whether or not I will. You are, our, you are our audience right now. Yes. Prove it to me. <laughs> all right. Scott, 
I know this is probably a one for you. But actually, you know what? The one thing that I did that I did note in my head was the fact that there are similarities to the sort of Gainesville, Florida, no idea, hot water music-ish type of stuff. Not enough for me. Not enough for you. No. Terrible record. Terrible record. Yeah. Move on. You probably. <laughs> I have a feeling. You, I have a feeling you listened to about two and a half songs of this record. No, I listened to it. Uh, it's a short record. Short record. Shorter. Yes. Shorter. Mm. Um. Like nothing did it for you? No. Okay. I was not enjoying myself. Mm, interesting. Sorry. You were probably probably coding something very complex while you're doing it. I was, and it was distracting. <laughs> Joey. Wait. Like, I really like the cover. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's kind cool of record. 50s doo-wop single. Yeah, like a Blue Note knockoff. Yeah, exactly. Joey, what would you think? Because I know you like this band. I do. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was a solid record. I... Uh, I've liked this band since they were Jericho, and uh, I I think their record Above the City, which was their first Smoke or Fire record, was their best, and I think this record is... You're wrong. Uh, second record's best. The second record is a copy of the first record, right? So, but the recording quality is so care. much better. But yeah, the, so- the songs aren't as good. I don't know. I, anyway. I, I revisited both of them, Joey. You're wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go on. Anyways, uh, I, I think this record is really, really good. Uh for anyone that's into the old fat sound, uh, there's no reason why they wouldn't like it or they shouldn't like it. Um, and like Ray said, there's a definite like no idea influence that creeps in that could cross over to like those those kinds of kids. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that kind of sets this band apart is the singer Joe McMahon's uh, vocal delivery. I love it. I think it's one of the best out there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely cool. I like the... Because even I agree with you, Joey. As far as the record is concerned, it's definitely not their best. This is where people should not start to listen to the band. But I think his uh, the band writes amazing choruses. Like even yeah. if you're like, oh, dude, the verse is a little plodding, doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, super hooky, like just great. Like you said, totally like classic fat record stuff. Like you know, like I, like strung I, out. I get this record to me is reminds me of later. No use for a name. Like, more betterness era, no use for name. I back that comparison. So it's like, with no use for name, you're obviously going to start with Leche con Carne. But then I would say go to, you know, Making Friends or More Betterness, where this is, you shouldn't start here. But yeah. start with The Sinking Ship if you're Ray or Above the City if you're me. You can't lose with either of them. It's a win-win. And yeah. then you'll find this record and, and you'll be into it. Yeah, it, it finds a place within the collection. But this, for since no one knows the band, this should not be the place that you start. So... I back it. And the next record that we'll be talking about. We're going to give numbers for it, or are we just oh, going to? Yeah. Well, I guess we can give numbers for it. Well, we didn't. Well, I'm, I'm sold on the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, you'll dig it. I had a soft spot for Fat Record style stuff, and I definitely like the No Idea vibe. So I'm in. Yeah. I'm checking it out. That's nine, good. nine plus. I can't rate it yet. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If I were to have listened to it, I'm thinking I would probably give it a seven. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I, I think that's a safe seven. I would give that as well. Political answer. Yeah, Joey. I'm just happened to be looking at their Wikipedia, and it's and it's funny they were called Jericho, and they started in Boston, and then they moved to Virginia and changed their name to Jericho RVA. Oh, but did good, not know that. Good meter. Thanks, I. Wikipedia. Thank you. Uh, I would probably give it being being a fan of the band. I would give it probably an eight. But that being said, again, this isn't where you should start. The others but. would be nines and tens. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, negative one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Ten percent. Doesn't sure. matter. Doesn't, doesn't compute. All right. The next record we'll be talking about is... The new Under Oath uh, called Disambiguation. I think I said that right. Or zero with a circle in it. Uh, zero with a circle in it? Right. That's a zero. With a slash mark. Slash, not a circle. <laughs> um, it's this band's, I think, fifth point? This is the fifth. Yeah, this might be like a missing It's either the fourth or the fifth. No, it's, fifth. Yeah, it's definitely the fifth. Okay. I was thinking it's sixth. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Th- I mean, unless we count the first two, three, forty minutes, five seven. seven. Right. Seven. Seven full length. Well, the the live record doesn't count. Probably have to survive kaleidoscope. Fifth full length. 
Yeah. That took a long time. Thank to you. Well, <laughs> no, we won't edit this. This is perfect. Uh, fifth full length. How many full lengths do you think they have, Riley? I would say six, but I don't know. Your House of Blues record doesn't count, Riley. No. You're I live. I, I would ca- count I that. Count live records. Okay, yeah. good, good. I'd like to hear that. But, I mean, their EP is five songs, and it's 40 minutes long. I know. They have, that band would also like to forget those, those first EP's, two EPs. That one EP is great. Yeah, the pseudo-black metal. Anyways. Wow. We're, we're yeah. <laughs> Let's side jump back side in. tangent. Uh, yeah, if you don't know who Under Oath is, then you're kind of not paying attention to uh, independent music. But, you know, for those uninitiated, South Florida band, definitely pioneers of the whole singing, screaming type stuff. Um, after bands like Grade, they took this and put it up to a whole different level. Um, yeah, you see them on every tour, every large tour. They are an extremely popular band. And... Um, yeah, I'm looking very much forward to hearing opinions of this record because I think at one point or another, we all liked this band in some way, shape, or form. So, Riley, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Because I know you've toured with this band. Yes. So I know you can't be dicks to them. I'm uh, just kidding. I'll be, I'll be honest. <laughs> you can't be honest. Yeah. You're, you're an honest guy. Yeah. So uh, d- did you like this band previously? Um, I think it might have been the... L- the last record that really grabbed me, I guess. Uh huh. Was it the I lost? I think we toured with them in like 2005. I can't remember what record they were touring on. It was Define the Great Line. Cause we Define the Great Line, I think, came out 2005-ish. Yeah, they might have been still playing. It off. wasn't lost in the separate. Define whatever. the Great Line came out in 2006. Okay. And then Lost in the Sounds of Separation was the last one that came out in 2008. Okay. And then... Re- or, uh, only, I'm trying to think because we... They're only chasing safety. We went to the show in Seattle Oh yeah. when we were up there for trial. Oh, that's right. So whenever the trial reunion was, was when yeah, that when tour was. Okay. Yeah. I need to brush up on my under oath history. No, it's okay. No, I, I th- I've liked them since we toured with them, basically, yeah. um, and kind of kept tabs on them uh, since then. And I've liked everything they, they've done since then. And uh, I think that this record is their best record. Wow, throwing that down there. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Did you? I, I like it. It's heavy as hell. There it is. I really like uh, Daniel's drumming on it. Um, so we sh- we should note this is the first record without original member Aaron. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised by how well Spencer did. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the like live dynamic, I think it's gonna be a lot cooler because I've always felt like when. If, if there's a band with the drummer that sings like something more than just backups, every time it goes to a section where the drummer is singing, the stage dynamic gets kind of weird. Right. And the singer, like, or Spencer, like, just kind of swings his mic around and just jumps on the riser or whatever. <laughs> and it just, it's kind of weird. To me, it's weird. Yeah. Um, but now I can just, I mean, I can picture, like, Spencer being fully engaged, like, the entire time. Um, and no vocals coming from like a dark drum riser in the back. And, right. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, like I said, Daniel's playing on this record is really, really good. It brings like a totally new dimension to the band. Yeah, definitely. So I dig it. I, cool. I like it a lot. Cool. Joey, what'd you think? Uh, I wouldn't say it's their best record, but I actually did really like it. Um, I wasn't too into the last record. I kind of thought it was a little too much like Define the Great Line, and it just kind of lost me. I never really went back to it. Um, but I did really like this. That's yeah, like you said, it's really heavy. Um, and I think with Spencer doing the clean parts now, it it just fits better with the music because his voice isn't as clean as Aaron's was. So there is like the, a little bit of like scratchiness to it that I think just fits. Yeah, like I said, with the music better and probably because he has dreads now too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, very long dreads. I think he, he's been he, wearing the same T-shirt. Since we toured with them. For every promo shot <laughs> yeah. since 2005. He looks side, like he wants to be in Shadows Fall. Yeah, side note, uh, some of the dudes in that band, like, don't like to, they have, like, their show shirts, and they, I think they almost take pride in, like, not washing them. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> we put, when we played uh, Warp Tour in, like, I think it was 2009, uh, it was, like, towards the end of the tour, and uh, Tim had a shirt on that was, like, brown i think it used to be white <laughs> oh, and yeah. he hugged me like to say bye <laughs> and uh 
those dudes are great dudes super super nice and uh he gave me a hug goodbye and i smelled like him for the rest of the day i had to go take a shower <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> you got to be mindful when you're giving those, those I got, hugs I, yeah, yeah i got under oath <laughs> just, under oath. just that's gooped. awesome I think this is a good, like, the back to a under oath form. Like, I think this record's very solid, and and a good listen. Um, yeah, cool. Scott being a spirit filled, nope, being being a spirit filled hardcore kid because that's where he got he started his career within independent music. He's moshing right now. He, <laughs> but in all seriousness, he did start off very much liking Christian hardcore. So, like, were you into the bands like back then at all? Not especially. No. Okay. So, what would you think of the record? I listened <laughs> to it about ten minutes ago. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even Sorry. know what to say. I would want to do my homework. <laughs> Scott and I went to get bagels this morning, and he's like, "What records are we supposed to review?" And I was like, "This one, this one, this it, one." He was like. I didn't listen to the Under Oath, so we played it. I played it for him it while just, we were sitting It just up. makes me question all of the emails and coordination that we do in regards to the records that we pick to review, and then Scott just blows well, off. Scott Joey doesn't and I. read the emails. I know, apparently. Well, I thought we were doing it with Roy, since he has history with the. No, we've. But then, then did you read the emails that we sent where we <laughs> talked about that? Uh, mo- moving on. I'm sorry, Scott. Your your ten minutes of music listening probably isn't good enough. To we did listen in. to the whole record in ten minutes. No, he's exaggerating, oh, but okay. the whole record did play. Okay. So did you have any impressions on that one listen? No. No? Just a, just whatever? I hardly, yeah. Yeah. It is tough. I mean, I listened to this record probably about five times through, and I don't I don't like it as much as Joey and Riley. Um, I think it's it, – I do like everything you guys are saying as far as the progression of the band, how Spencer handles the vocals, how – all of the musicianship, like everything they're doing now is totally top shelf. Like they are, they're definitely at the peak of their game. But basically I like this band when they were ISIS ripoff. Like Define the Great Line, that record, even though it's, to me, when I listen to it now, it doesn't stand the test of time, so to speak. Like revisiting it now, it's kind of like, yeah, it's okay. But I remember when that record came out, I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is the same band that wrote Reinventing Your Exit, which was like the most poppy, like polished, a good song, but super, super out there as far as like mainstream as that can get. And then they came with this record that just, you know, shattered all those, shattered whatever people knew of them to be in the past. And that's the record that debuted at number two, right? Right. And did it eventually go gold, I believe? I wouldn't be surprised. Which is which is crazy. Yeah. But it just shows you how devoted fans are to this band, regardless of what it is they're sounding like. Right. Did it come out this week? It came the week out. we're recording, yeah, it came out Tuesday. Yes. So we won't know how. But I know the last record didn't perform as well sales-wise. But regardless, I think the record's good, but it definitely just didn't. Uh, I, I'm probably not going to revisit this. I'm, it's just going to exist in my collection, and that's kind of... If I ever want to listen to Under Oath, I'll ever I'll always pull out to find the great line. That'll be my my stock pick. Go to, yeah. So it was cool, but I would give it maybe a, I would give it a solid seven. But you know, whereas Define for me was like a ten. Riley, I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. Cool. See, I was gonna give it a seven, but based on your, I'll re- give it a six. See, based on your review, I'll I feel like I have to go higher than what. Uh, I'll what give it a five. Did. I'll give it a five, Joey. Be- yeah, I would say a seven. Okay. Good under oath record, not my favorite, but yeah. Cool. Scott? Whatever. Nine, nine plus. Zero. Incredible. Okay. <laughs> favorite record of the 12. year? <laughs> 12. <laughs> uh, 12 out of 10. I know you were probably checking your email right there. He's on Wikipedia. <laughs> I know. He did, he did his homework. We're recording. Go ahead. Okay. Joey, you want to take over the movie section? It's movie time with Joey Cahill. Hey. It's Joey. We are going to review two movies this episode, Due Date and 127 Hours. We will first talk about Due Date. Where's your dad? Uh, No idea. When's the last time you saw him? 1977. He had his bags packed by the front door and he picked them up. Put him in the back of his car. Last time I ever saw him. (laughs) 
my gosh. My dad would never do Which that. stars Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis and was directed by Todd Phillips. And this was his uh, next movie after The Hangover. So we will... Uh, Which that did okay in the box office. It did okay. No big deal. Uh, so we will get going on this with uh, Riley. Um, I am not a huge movie viewer. Um, I would probably say I see about... 30 movies a year. Including rentals? Uh, no, no. In okay. the theater. Um, and this is probably one of the 10 worst movies <laughs> that I've seen in the last 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. Woo! Woo! It's seriously dick. like... I hated it. Okay. I didn't laugh one time. <laughs> and From the opening moment you hated it? No, I, it was like a slow developing hatred that was building. I was just start seething. And then I walked out and I went with my girlfriend and we walked out and I was like, what was that? Did did she hate that as well? Yeah. She didn't like it either. Uh Um, were the people in the theater with you laughing? There was very little laughter in the theater. It was really weird. Chortles maybe? Couple chuckles. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Guffaw here and there. (laughs) A snicker. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't like it at all. It's the worst movie I've seen since Couples Retreat, which uh, that movie's I, don't, terrible. I don't know why yeah. I saw that movie either. That movie been, should have been really good with that cast. Yeah, but it sucked. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, yeah, was... I liked Robert Downey Jr. in this movie a lot. Yeah. Zach didn't do it for me. Did you uh, like The Hangover? I love The Hangover. Okay. Yeah. That's I just, cool. just, it wasn't good. Didn't I didn't, flip your didn't switch. like it. No. And I ended up feeling bad for Zach the whole time. So when they were like making fun of him or like, you know, driving through the drainage ditch or whatever <laughs> to get him to bounce up in the back of the car, like instead of laughing at it, I was like, oh man. Yeah. It sucks. They're abusing him. Yeah. Got it. And it was pretty cliche too, a lot of the jokes I felt. Sure. Uh, I enjoyed Due Date. I thought it was good. It wasn't as enjoyable as his previous movies, like The Hangover. I definitely liked that a lot more. I think that, um, you know, this movie will just kind of, it would have been a good rental for me. Like, I definitely didn't need to see it in the theaters, retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was okay. I definitely didn't hate it as much as you, Riley. And then I, 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 chortled, I chortled maybe yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- this movie wasn't a, a home run, so to speak. So. I think I went in with really high expectations. I, d- I so did, I too, like yeah. That. I did too, but I guess they weren't shatters as much as yours. <laughs> I'm crushed. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe easier to please than you, Riley. Scott, I went into it with no expectations because I wasn't a huge Hangover fan, and going into that um, with that mindset, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed myself. Joey and I were in a fun theater. Everyone was laughing, and I don't see why you guys are such assholes. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I didn't. I didn't say it was a bad movie. I'm an asshole. He's an asshole. Yes, Riley's an asshole. You're an asshole too, Scott. Though, I know. just for other reasons. I'm aware. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it was fun. My thoughts are it was funny. I thought the story was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. I thought there were more holes in it than Swiss cheese. Something that has yeah, lots, lots of holes. <laughs> it was just. It was like. It was almost like sketch comedy where it was like, new scene, something funny, and then they just tried to piece them together. It's, like, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to do it with the well, nature of a road trip movie. But then it's like, you know, it's going to, it's the auto, the, the automatic comparison is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and that movie is pretty much perfect. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm on the IMDb page right now. This movie had six writers. So it's like, you get six writers, they're each going to write different chunks, and they're just getting them to like flow together. Yeah, it just lacked that for me. I mean, it was it was definitely funny, sure, but kind of I think a crappy his ne- kind of crappy movie for his next movie after The Hangover. Like, I don't know, I but I do agree with Riley that you start to feel like pretty bummed out for for Zach Galifianakis' yeah. character. Like, it's like a really dark movie. Yeah, like it just gets to a point where it's just like, dude, like this guy's just trying to be nice. Yeah. yeah. But I, I thought he was good in it, that Robert Downey Jr. was good in it, but just the story itself was lacking a lot. Was the Jamie Foxx cameo a little weird for anybody else? Completely unnecessary and yeah. never <laughs> closed. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
It, what do you mean it's close? You knew that it wasn't his kid. Yeah, he had a white baby. Yeah, he had a. But who knows what was going on? Like she was just like, no, I never would. Right. Okay, it ends there. Tied yeah. it up, man. Tied it up T- perfectly. Tied it up for people who don't pay attention. In a ziplock. <laughs> so, yeah. That being said, I would probably give it a six, based on laughs alone. Um, other than that, it was very lacking. Riley, two, six, seven. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think I am negator. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you call it like you see it, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a solid. Uh, it's a solid rental. You don't need to run out and see it in the theater. Hey. You lost. I'm a guide. What do you say? The guidebook says that the route's through here. And I know a better way. Oh, yeah, to remember that everything will be okay. Uh, next up, we will be reviewing 127 Hours, directed by Danny Boyle and starring James Franco. And uh, yeah, so let's we'll, uh, we'll start with Scott on this one. Let's say a little bit what it's about. <laughs> James Franco cuts his arm off. <laughs> Brick done. That's it. It's about That's a synopsis based, based on a true story about a guy named Aaron Ralston, who's like this outdoorsy type dude. Like, I think it takes place in Utah, and yep. uh, knows. I mean, he's just like, yeah, and uh, yeah, he gets caught in a compromising position where his arm is stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's the name of the novel. Yeah. That you meant to do that. I well I forgot that, that was the name of the novel <laughs> as I was till I was saying it. But anyways. Okay, good job. But uh yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it's Scott. Scott. I hated this movie. Hated? Hated this movie. It was such a extreme moment of someone's life and there was so much unnecessary flashback stuff that didn't add anything to the story wasn't developed and was so surface like oh he has regrets blah 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 and that really took away from like the five days he had in this canyon um like i compare it to when i see castaway where tom hanks character you really get the sense that he's there for a long time and he's contemplating his life and what happened and this movie is so urgent that you don't you don't feel that he's been there for five days you feel that 30 seconds, cuts his arm off, done. <laughs> and, Off, Ra- and Riley's going to be the impartial judge because he did not have a chance to see this movie because it didn't really play in the Orange County area. He's not dedicated to the podcast. <laughs> well, neither are you because you don't listen to the Under Oath record. Ooh. Oh. Uh, okay, Scott. Ray? <laughs> I, uh, I didn't hate the movie. I didn't love the movie. I thought it was... Um, as far as Danny Boyle's work is concerned, I love him as a director. All the movies he's done previously, I've, I love. I absolutely adore. Even Sunshine. Like, that's an amazing movie. But Except for, like, the last 20 minutes. That's what everyone says. I, I retrospectively, like, watching it, it, after people say that that movie sucked or the ending sucked, I didn't even – that was whatever. And it was just weird. It's weird. It doesn't suck. Yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> but um, – this movie's perfect for him because it's very visceral, you know, a lot of a lot of colors, a lot of crazy shots, you know, all the stuff that he likes to do as a director. This movie played itself directly into his hand. It was very Danny Boyle. So, there's no way you can watch it and be like, oh, like this isn't the same guy that made Slumdog Millionaire, you know, 28 days later, that type of stuff. So um, I thought it was cool. Honestly, the only thing I wanted to see was him cutting off his arm. Uh, that was pay dirt for me. That was like awesome. <laughs> I want to see that. I want, and I, w- I thought it was good how long they made it last and how uncomfortable it made everybody feel in the theater. Even though the people that we watched it in the theater with apparently thought the whole movie was a comedy. Like they, yeah. that was very funny. Every moment of like the movie that was, you know, somewhat whimsical or like oh him being a real human. <laughs> so funny. Like he <laughs> farted or he burped. It's like. Dude, that's what you do as a human, and just because you're yeah, in extreme he, circumstance. When he's drinking his urine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But anyway, so yeah, I just I thought the movie was cool. It's definitely, uh, I mean, James Franco's performance is good. I definitely think that for reasons that many people will probably be like, why should he even be nominated? 
you know, just because of the type of movie that he's in. Clearly, he's the only person in the movie, <laughs> so he's going to have to carry it. Um, so I thought it was I thought it was enjoyable, and I'm glad I saw it in the theater. But maybe with a different crowd, I would have enjoyed it a little more. Did the flashbacks add or take away from it? It didn't. I mean, I see what you're saying as far as like, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do with a movie like yes, of this I, nature? It's it's. I, how could you have a two hour movie with just him being trapped? I thought they it? were totally necessary. Yeah, it, f- it made you get into the character and see like where he was coming from and like him as a person as opposed to like I love the outdoors. Oh, my arm stuck between a rock. Cut it off. <laughs> like there had to there has to be some sort of backstory for people to care. So I thought it was totally totally worked with the movie. Yeah, I mean as far as the narrative is concerned it's t- I just couldn't see what else they could do with it. I mean, was it extremely power was it extremely powerful for me and made me like love him more as a person? No. I didn't really care about him that much in the first place. You know, I mean, the fact that he cut his arm off is obviously, like, that's a pretty impressive feat in and of itself. Um, so I want to see more of that. But the sort of mental strength to be able to do that wasn't, there was nothing in his background that indicated he was an impressive guy that could do that where the average person wouldn't think to do that. Sure. I, I th- and I think that's what made it compelling for me because it just shows ordinary people in extreme circumstances being able to rise to whatever occasion and do something unthinkable. Where it's like, okay, I guess this is what I have to do, even though I've never done this before in my life, okay. or will ever do it in my life. But I see, I see what you're saying, Scott. Yeah, Joey. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was great. Awesome. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a, a very solid movie. Not Danny Boyle's best, but definitely not his worst. Um, yeah, I thought it was very entertaining, very compelling. Uh, stop staring at me, Scott. I thought it was very intense. Um, I think whoever put out the story about people passing out during the the scene where he cuts his arm off was I was, I was just going to ask you about that was great marketing great because the whole time was like oh this is going to be gnarly and it was gnarly but I've seen you know worse things in movies Dude, I felt nauseous there was a guy with his girlfriend next to me and he's serious he's like oh oh <laughs> I, it's and, like and it's <sighs> perfect I think now people are just expecting that to happen so they're going to play it up and like yeah. it's going to get people in the theaters to see it but. No offense, Scott, but you're a pussy if, that, if it makes you <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> I I back that, Joey. It was, I mean, it was brutal. It was very gruesome, and you know, it was tough. But that I didn't once feel nauseous or feel like I was going to pass out. To, to me, that was like the. I mean, obviously, it's the most exciting part of the movie. But I was, like I said, I could have that could have gone for like 15 minutes, and I would have been fine. Yeah, with that. it was really quick. I wanted more. Yeah, I wanted, so I wanted to sever, breaking his bones, like more. But if you read about it, it didn't take that long. Sure. I, I just want to see more of that. It didn't take him the What did that say about was, you? I want to see blood. Why? I have a blood Scott, thirst. just because you're watching in treatment doesn't mean you can <laughs> pretend to be a therapist. <laughs> Bird. Boyard. Yeah. So, Riley, would you, based on these, these reviews, would you, would you want to see the movie? Yes. Cool. I do want to see it. So, once I get around to deciding to show it in Orange County, I will see it. Cool. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> Basically, Riley. Why do you feel like that? <laughs> Why? Why? What does this say about you? Do we want to give it numbers? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, let's give yeah. it numbers. Red. Six. Oh, oh, Scott. Six. Scott is a six. Uh, I would. And you hated it. Yeah, Scott. I don't, I, it's a D, right? Because see, that's actually a D minus. Looks like we're gonna have Scott's grading scale, and then the rest of the show's grading scale. Uh, so I think mine. Separate from Scott's, this is about a it's about a six. Okay, so Scott's is probably like a three then is what I would say. Three or four. Yeah, divide his by two. <laughs> That's what we'll do from now on. It's the Scott formula. I, I would give it an eight. This episode of First World Problems the Podcast is brought to you by No Sleep Records and their new split release from Intuit Over It and Koji that's out on November 23rd. You can pre-order that as well as the new Stay Ahead of the Weather 7-inch CDEP at nosleepstore.com. My own personal recommendation is the new Frontiers record called There Are No Miracles Here from the ex-singer of Elliot. It's a great record. To tell you it's time to leave Because that was then and this is now Because truth be told we have
now we are to the interview portion of our show with our very, very special guest, Riley Breckenridge from the band Thrice. Hi. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, you might have done this before, but no one will know. No. I, this, I don't have deja vu at all. No, that's good. That's good. Because uh, we've never <coughs> asked you any of these questions, nor you've responded in the same way. No. Yeah. It does smell awful. Maybe my dog took a shit upstairs. I just shit my pants. Sorry, guys. I'm really excited nervous. and kind of <laughs> nervous. <laughs> yeah, Lucy probably took a poop upstairs. Yeah, I shit my pants. Yeah. Good job, Michael. I know. This is podcasting history. This is. Yes. It's a crowning achievement in my life. That's good. Take a shit have you been a podcast. On any, have you been on any, any other podcasts? I have. Yeah, he's, come on, he's a professional. Dude. He's a veteran of the podcast circuit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But this is the first time I shit my pants. I decided I'd do that especially <laughs> for you guys. Thank it's you. not Ray's, so. That's good. Um, Riley, for those of you people that aren't familiar, he plays for a plays drums in a band called Thrice, a rock band. I was going to throw in some other descriptions that wouldn't make any sense for Thrice. but Dynamic. Yes, a dynamic rock band from the Orange County area that's existed for, we went over this, 12 years. 12 years. You did not do anything for your 10-year anniversary. No, we kind of blew that. Yeah, I know. Whoops. And then you're maybe going to do something for Identity Crisis? Or no, we'll, do, we'll probably do something for the 10-year anniversary of uh, Illusion of Safety. Illusion of Safety, that's right. 2012. Okay, yeah, that's right, when the world ends. Just do it before December 21st. We'll play, play the world off. That's good. The soundtrack of the apocalypse. Yes. Um, and so, and by all stretches of the imagination, Thrice would be defined as a very successful band. They have made a living off of the music they play uh, and are filthy rich. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I've, I, Riley pulled up in a limo. He drove, drove his limo here today. <laughs> Riley was the driver, though. That's his off. That's his off-season job. Yeah, I had a helicopter take me to the limo, and then the limo took me here. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are very thankful for you to be here, and um, I'm happy to be here. Good. You guys are in the process of preparing for your uh, 45th full length now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how's how's that going? Uh, it is going well, but it is going slowly, sure. which is normal. Uh, it's just a slow, steady process of trying to piece songs together uh, from parts um, and ideas and um, just a lot of trial and error and like, you know, build a song, tear it apart, rebuild it. Um, so it's just, it can be uh, taxing at times and, and frustrating and uh, trying, but it always ends up being worth it in the end. Sure. So. Because you, I mean, you guys obviously, since everybody in the band is musically inclined, they mm -hmm. don't they don't just stick to their instruments. They can do stuff beyond right. what it is that they have. That obviously lends itself to the uh, probably task of of building songs, where yeah. everyone has a very specific opinion on the way things should sound in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know, as as time has gone on. We've gotten better at communicating, better at sharing ideas, better at um, offering criticism or constru constructive criticism without making it sound like, you know, you're telling somebody that they suck or. Right. That's the know. worst part I've ever heard. Going off of that, what is the funniest sort of blowout? Sorry, repeat the whole thing just in case. Okay. Going off of that, what is the sort of funniest, you know, blowout, so to speak, that you know? Someone has told you or you've told someone just out of, you know, in the middle of a writing session, just be like, you, that part is the word, whatever, you know, some, something that you didn't mean, but you said it in a way that was pretty brutal. If you can remember anything specifically. Yeah, I can't, I can't really remember anything specific. It, it usually, I mean, the, the criticism or the opinions that are shared are usually meant to be constructive, but sometimes they're taken the wrong way. Sure. Um, and then the the dialogue slowly devolves into something that ends up in like stop being a dick or like right. something like that. But we haven't had anything like that for like five years, probably. Sure. Um, Is it different for you and your brother? Do you guys have your own separate relationship um, boundaries that you can push that you couldn't with the other guys? Yeah, kind of. Um, you can do your mama jokes. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, it's an it's an interesting dynamic, and um, because there isn't like a chief songwriter in the band that says, "Hey, you do this, you do this, you do this," um, it makes you know having four people with really specific opinions and and totally different tastes in music to get them to agree that something sounds good or something works um, is a is a huge challenge, but. Uh, you enjoy the struggle, yeah. and it that's how it works. It makes your music better for it. I think so. I mean, if if we were all just sitting around with our thumbs up our asses and not uh, pushing each other, I think it would be reflected in the music. So I guess you know, uh, a little argument here or there, or disagreement here or there, is probably better in the long run. You wouldn't be able. You might not write TNC Part Two. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is what your longtime Orange County fans are demanding. Yeah, just play so Phoenix Ignition one more time. Illusion of safety. <laughs> Part two. That's, That's that, all. That. All Deadbolt. Fourteen <laughs> different versions of Deadbolt <laughs> with a remix. That'd be perfect. I think some kids would want that at this point. Not sure. <laughs> um, I have a question. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, do you go into each? I mean, I'm assuming. I, I think I already know the answer, mm-hmm. but just kind of curious about how how it works. Do you go into each record? Uh, with an idea of where you want it to go, or does everyone just bring in parts and just kind of? Because I mean, with each re- each record, I don't think there's a thrice record that sounds like another thrice record. Mm-hmm. Like it all still sounds like thrice, but it's not like well, this one sounds. You can't go back and like see like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't really map it out. I mean, we might say uh, let's focus on making like a heavier record or something that's like more atmospheric or. Uh, try to like push the push the tempos on on some songs or something but since everybody in the band writes individually and everybody's you know into different styles of music um and while we're touring on a record you know everybody's off in their own world getting into different bands and different styles of music um when it finally does come time to to start writing songs and we start sharing ideas that we've written over the past year or two um it's really interesting to see where everybody's heads at and then I think the thing that makes us us and the reason that we don't make the same record over and over is because our tastes are constantly changing. And then, you know, we bring those individual ideas in and then everybody else gets their hands on them. So they change and morph a little bit uh, to everybody else's tastes. So even if you have an idea that you're like, oh, man, this is a really cool, like heavy, mathy vibe or something. By the time everybody's gotten their say on it, it might have you know, evolved into something totally different and none of us really know how that's going to happen. So that's just how we do it and how we've done it. Cool. How do you find motivation when you're writing by yourself? Like, what do you, what do you think about? I mean, what, what kind of flies? Yeah, it is deep. I mean, what you've been in a band for 10 years. Mm -hmm. How do you, 12, you've been in a band for 12 years. Mm -hmm. How do you stay? How are you not burned out? Uh, I don't know. I just love making music and writing music. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd be doing it anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I never would have thought I'd be a be in a band and b be in a band for twelve years mm-hmm. and c do it for a living. But um, I just like writing music, and um, I'm pretty melodically inclined. So you know, picking up a guitar or sitting at a keyboard or um, like programming stuff in reason or something like that it's just uh it's a nice release for me and i i don't really know what's going to come out of my head a, a lot of times the stuff i write is a lot darker and heavier uh-huh. um, than maybe what some of the other guys write but um i mean i never know I, I could sit down and be like all right i'm gonna write this really heavy riff and like or some breakdown or something and then i end up writing some like really pretty keyboard line or something like the whaler or circles or something like that comes out when I'm, my head is like totally geared towards doing something different. Like I just don't know what's going to come out. And sometimes a lot of shit comes out like yeah. bad stuff. <laughs> it's like, um, I read something or heard something about, uh, you know, people that write text. They say you should force yourself to write every day, you know, sit down and write for like an hour or half hour or whatever. And I kind of feel the same way about music. And if I sit down for an hour or two hours and just kind of 
whole ideas out of my head. You know, maybe seventy five percent of the time it's garbage, but that other twenty five percent, if if uh, if it ends up being good, it's totally worthwhile. And then, uh, you know, beyond what I can do with it, when I when I give it to the rest of the guys to kind of manipulate and and uh, change how they see fit, um, it stuff just gets better. Do you feel compelled to do that because you're getting paid for it because it's a job? No. No? I enjoy it. Because yeah, I, heard, I heard a Ryan Adams interview, and he said he felt obligated to wake up and be in the studio by 10 a.m. because he was getting paid, and he owed it to people paying the bills. He doesn't pants. even owe it to himself. Huh, well. <laughs> that's because Ryan Adams is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good quote, though. I like that. I, 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 have to, I feel compelled because I'm getting paid to do so. I'm getting paid to feel compelled. Scott, I, can I, you be louder with the ice? I do, I do it because I enjoy it, um, but I do realize that it's my job, so I want to do it a lot. Yeah, you take it you seriously. Know. Yeah, do I it well. take it really yeah. seriously, but I enjoy doing it immensely. So, you know, spending ten hours locked in a cramped studio, you know, while it can be kind of nerve wracking at times, is worthwhile to me because it's a part of the process in creating something bigger. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the one thing I, I've noticed you guys definitely do is, especially like when starting, bands obviously have to, well, they don't have to, but they play to a scene, you know, where it's mm. like, okay, we play, you know, we're a hardcore band, we're a punk band, whatever classification you want to put on it. Whereas you guys always flirted, you know, the mm-hmm. line where it's like you, you played with bands that were maybe heavier than you, or you play, like, I distinctly remember like watching you guys play with the casket lottery mm-hmm. and then. Six months later, you went on tour with Hope Conspiracy, Converge, Converge. and American Nightmare. (laughs) And so it's like you guys never played to a scene. Like, Do you think that because of that it helps your longevity or it just was more maybe more difficult for you guys to start off with? Like, I don't know if you have any reflection on that process. Um, I think it helped us out a lot because we didn't feel constrained by any sort of scene. I feel like, you know, like – Locally, we'd do like a punk rock show or like something that was classified as like an emo show, and then like we'd do a show with Throwdown, and it was just <laughs> like, how are we, do, you know, doing all these different shows with all these different kinds of bands? But luckily, you know, at a lot of these shows, we wouldn't go over that well, but there would be a few people in there that you know probably wouldn't hear us if all we did was play like punk rock night at Chain Reaction or something um, that are more into hardcore. And, uh, you know, they get on board and they tell their friends and then stuff just starts growing. Um, But, yeah, I think because we were playing inside so many different scenes without feeling obligated to, like, stay within that scene, it it kind of helped us in the long run because we've never felt like we need to do something just to be a part of, like, some clique or some style or scene or whatever. so yeah, I think it, it helped us out. And for us, it was just like, I mean, just we were just kind of young and naive. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. We just play you'd any say, show. You'd with say any yes band. to every show, yeah, no matter what. Show. Yeah. And now, I mean, I meet young bands and they're like, oh man, we're, no, we're not going to play with bands like that. Or no, we're not going to go on tour with a band like that. We don't want to do that. It's like, dude, you guys just got to play shows. Just yeah. play. Play, play, play. Don't sit on your ass and wait for the black keys to take you out or like right. the magical band a that you've always wanted to tour yeah. with come down from the clouds and be like you are the chosen one yes you can tour with us you're going to support us on every tour for the remainder of our careers <laughs> um and it, it, in that sort of you know career that you've been able to make out of the band the <clears throat> the major label system obviously gets dinged you know so many people and so many people especially from the band perspective are just like oh, it was like one of the worst decisions we could make. Like, you know, the the major label system fucked us, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, how, considering the fact that you guys obviously lived through that mm-hmm. and you were able to still come out the other end with having, you know, for lack of a better term, a career intact, you know, yeah. it wasn't like everybody had been like, who's thrice? Like, I've never heard of them before. Yeah. Um, did you guys find it, you know, like a, a more positive experience or was it just kind of one of those things that you just wrote out because that was, you know, how the hand was dealt, so to speak? Um, I think we just tried it because it seemed like the next logical step and I definitely wouldn't change anything that we did. Um, had some amazing experiences and, 
you know, being able to work with a major label budget and go record at a place like Bearsville where like Bob Dylan recorded and like the band and all these crazy Dave Matthews band, like all these crazy artists and like use producers and have Andy Wallace mix a record and make like a big budget video and uh, that that was all amazing. Do and all I, the, do all the cocaine you wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I, you know I'd never ever change that. Um and I think we just wrote it out for for as long as we could. Sure. And uh well, yeah, you guys you guys didn't see like you guys didn't seem to get eaten up, you know, because there's so many bands that go into the system and you can tell that they're just like grinded, you know, it's like yeah. whatever you look at like a lot of the, you know, mid 90s signings with like, you know, quicksand, jawbreaker, all that type of stuff. And it's like mm-hmm. you could tell that they by the time they came out of it, they weren't the same band where it's like you it seemed like you guys were able to transcend that, not let that culture affect you as much you know yeah well we had a pretty clear vision of what we wanted to do like we didn't really want to change anything we just wanted the ability to you know have a bigger budget to make records and have a broader reach with like pr stuff and try to get our music out to more people but do it you know with that budget and do it with the resources that the major label had but not changing our music to, to do that kind yeah. of stuff. So, you know, there was a lot of s- suggestions that we got where we were like, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not doing that. No, that's a dumb idea. And we butted heads with the label a ton. Sure. Um, and, you know, when things finally dissolved, it was because we had butted heads enough and they didn't like our record and we <laughs> didn't want to work with hotshot producer, hit writer. And right. um we didn't give a shit about singles, really. We just wanted to make good records, and they wanted singles, and um, so that kind of fell apart. But um, you can definitely tell. I mean, people can tell that haven't been in the music business, but especially when you've been in it, you can tell when bands like go for it, <laughs> right? Where they're just like, "Yeah, man, just do what, I, whatever." Yeah, we'll say yes we'll to everything. With that producer, yeah, we'll do Here's that. The keys. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, image. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Get, give me a stylist. We'll do this. We'll do that. And like, you can tell when people are playing the game, and if if that's what people want to do, that's fine. But that was never anything that was appealing to us at right. all. It wasn't like I, you... image was clearly not <laughs> not an important <laughs> thing for our band. We have many press photos to attest to that. That's funny. Um, one of the best questions that I've seen asked, as far as like you know, band members are concerned, would be if you were able to join one band mm. with you know the talents that you have currently, mm-hmm. or if you were able to join a band with you became a superhuman drummer. Uh, what what two bands would you join? Mm. I think what. Uh, one would be Radiohead just to see how they operate right. and just to learn. Because, uh, I mean, they're like my favorite band and um, just such a phenomenal group of musicians and they keep like reinventing themselves and it just keeps getting better and better. And um, just to be in a room with those guys and see how it works. Yeah. Because it's like a mystery to me. Like, I think they what they They're originally aliens. I think what they originally do is they open their Scrooge McDuck vault, jump in the money, swim around in that yes. for a minute, and then yes. they come out and then they're like, "All right, we can reinvent ourselves." Yes, <laughs> good British accent, Ray. Yeah, you like that? I kind of sound like Tom, didn't I? All, All right, so well, that will wrap, wrap up, up our interview with Riley. Riley. Uh, thank, thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, interview you. It's been our absolute pleasure, and um, thank you for having me. Where? Can people find out more about you and all that you do? Uh, thrice, thrice.net for band info. Uh, no one cares about that. Though. Yeah. Uh, m- then my personal blog is trawlingthegray.tumblr.com, which is too long of a URL, so I'm going to change it around the first of the year, but I'm not sure what I'm going to change it to. Then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Riley Breck, uh, where I talk about poo and farting and sports. Yeah. So it's, it's all quality. All the stuff that matters in life. Things I know most about, actually. <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> I've been pooing for almost 36 years now. That's unbelievable. Yeah. How do you do Pretty it? much an expert. How, how, are you, how are you not burnt out? I never get told. 
It's like snowflakes. Every po- <laughs> every shit is like a snowflake. That's really deep. It is. <laughs> take, take, th- take that. I'm going to put that in a coffee table book and start <laughs> selling that. <laughs> Amazon.com. That's, That's Urban Outfitters. Look yeah. for it, 2011. Urban Outfitters. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be it for this episode of First World Problems. Uh, join us next time when our guest will be music industry veteran Roy Culver. We will be reviewing the new Have Heart DVD, uh, the new Tiger's Jaw record, and the new Killing the Dream, and the movie Skyline, and the next three days. For To follow us on Twitter, it's at FWP Podcast. You can follow me at Joey Cahill. Ray is at X Purpose X. Scott is at Scott Arnold. Also follow our friend at Dumpy Mudwater, legendary blues musician. Check out uh, joeytkhill.com and scottthat.com. Blogs. And Ray sucks. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.